Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass, and with me this week, former co-host, Tyler Hebner. What up, what up? I'm in a car. Yeah, Tyler, we're doing a car cast here. This is just a, an easy way to fit one in. I didn't feel like doing another in-between round pod by myself. Uh, Sean is gone. I believe he's in Quebec City or something this week, so... He was unavailable. I will probably have him on after the conference finals because obviously he'll want to talk about some Leaf stuff, though we will touch on that this week. Uh, so I brought Tyler on because he's basically been sending me random messages since the Leafs <laughs> lost out about trade ideas and shit. That's not necessarily what we're only talking about. We're going to get to other stuff first before we get into that. Um, but before we do any of that, what's new with Tyler? A summation of our friendship is me just sending you random stuff. So that's a pretty good way to, to sum it up, I think. Um, nothing really, honestly. Like, uh, I'm just driving home from the city right now, which is fantastic at 5 o'clock. Um, I've been playing a lot of actual hockey. I am on tonight. It'll be my fourth straight game in four days. Uh, my body hurts a lot. I'm not 20 anymore, it turns out. Um, so I haven't really had much time for media or video games or anything like that um but yeah you know just just hanging around just doing the old capitalist grind chasing that money you know what i'm saying a slave to the capitalist propaganda and such if you will uh we don't we don't do that on this podcast remember oh, oh is there another one for that is there <laughs> do we have enough do we have an underground communist uh podcast that i'm not i mean on? is there an underground communist podcast that i could get onto? maybe um I'd listen yeah. to it, though they can't, people get like, weird tangent, but like, that's my biggest problem with, I guess, even where I am politically, is I'm not 100% anything, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? So it's hard to even align with anything, because it's like, I think a lot of socialist ideals are pretty great, but like, a few times I could be like, fiscally conservative, where I'm like, yeah, okay, like, we can cut this little thing here. If it, I but, like, like money. <laughs> yeah, but like for the most part, it's just like nobody feels right. Anyways, that's a weird diversion. Um, I'm still banging away at Clone Wars. I really love it. Apparently, I'm not even into the good stuff yet, but I'm getting. I think I'm in season. I'm started season three. I'm like maybe a quarter of the way in season three. You, you know this new uh, Jedi Survivor game sounds like it's pretty good. Um, I know you probably need a next gen console for it or whatnot, but uh, speaking of Star Wars, it's gotten it was just released not too long ago. It's got some pretty good reviews from what I hear. Yeah. So funny thing about that is I downloaded Fallen Order because I've never played it because it's on Game Pass. Yep. Uh, And then yesterday I turned my Xbox on and it broke. It's done. Oh wow. It's just it just sits at the loading screen and it won't go anywhere. And I like looked it up and it was pretty much like one of those like, oh, yeah, common problem. But like you're going to have to get it fixed if you want it to like not do that. And I'm now I'm like, well, I can't really afford a Series X. I don't really need a Series X. No. Like how much would it like if it fixes like a hundred bucks, like it's almost worth it because I use it for so much stuff. But I bet you you could find one on like Marketplace that works for about a hundred bucks. Yeah, and maybe that's true. I bet. Yeah, because then I could just load all my stuff onto it, right? Yeah, you literally just need a console. You don't need controllers or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. And then worth I might the, even... Yeah. Hmm, I never thought about that. Angle. I do have a PS4, so I mean, I just I can watch my... Like, I, the only reason I use the Xbox so much is because it's like my streaming box, basically. Yeah. So... Um, but I as, as soon as I found out that was... I immediately went and canceled Game Pass. <laughs> 
so I wouldn't forget because obviously I'm not playing any games on it right now. So, yeah. and I like everything cloud saves and all that shit nowadays. So, I mean, even if I had to replace it, it's not really like it's almost it's like whatever. It doesn't even matter. It's almost like a phone. You just put in your new login, your login info in the next one, and then you're you're laughing, right? Yeah, it's the beauty of technology. Everything like all of your personal stuff is is transferable. And I mean, that's how Mac kept me in their ecosystem once I finally went and got an iPhone is because yep. like my iMessages go on my MacBook. So when I'm working, like I can just kind of put my phone aside and like see stuff, but not have to respond or I can respond without grabbing my phone, ideally. Yep. Um, all of, yeah, it's it's annoying, but it's all right. I mean, I generally buy refurbished like two year old MacBook Pros when I get one. So they've been nothing but reliable. So that's good uh okay so hockey is something we usually talk about do you have any okay i'm just gonna ask you just because if not then we'll just skip by it all do you have any interest in discussing any of the like recent changes with the flyers or flames or any of that kind of front office head office Uh, stuff the flyers one is always keith it's jones right jones Jones. is president now briere is officially the gm and they've changed the color of orange did you hear that? Okay, well, the color of orange thing is kind of ir- irrelevant and stupid. Orange is orange. Um, like, I don't think presidential changes really do much for me unless it's an entire, um, like, regime change, if you will. Right. And it's kind of weird that the GM was in place, be- like, the new GM was in place before the president. Um, as much as, like, we're we're sure or not sure that Danny, Danny Breyer is going to be good at the, at the job or not, but it's kind of a weird way of doing things for an organization that's been really weird over the last five or six years. Um, right. So like, other than that, like, I don't really have much, like, what can you, what could you say about a new president of a team? Um, Sutter being gone, I assume is what you're talking about for, for Calgary. Well, and tree living obviously left also. Well, yeah, that happened a while ago. I feel yeah. Like we talked about that. I mean, probably good for the flames in the long term i think um the player assortment that they have doesn't align with the daryl sutter um coaching style so in, in depending on who they you know repopulate their coaching position with it, it's probably going to be a move for the better specifically for huberto um a team that i would love to see go grab andrew burnett um especially with that huberto having a heart level season with him as the head coach um, probably a good 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 situation for a guy you signed for eight years without seeing him play a single game as a Calgary Flame. Um, but yeah, I mean that would be the the extent of my thoughts. I think for for those changes, I think it would be a disservice to the franchise itself to. I mean, a GM they obviously have to get the GM first, but to not try and get Brunette there like that would just be just be crazy to not yeah. do that. I'm also starting to get on the Mark Savard coaching change. Like, I think whoever brings in Mark Savard is going to, I'm going to think positively of, uh, no matter who it is, really. I'm just, the more I hear about him as a head coach, the more I like stylistically. Um, and I just always like that also colors my bias. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many spots available too, and so many teams. And like, what do you do if you're Columbus? Are you just bringing? It sounds like they might bring up Pascal Vincent, who's been their AHL guy and been really good down there. But like, that team's in such a weird fucking spot, and they didn't necessarily hit the home run at the draft like they wanted to. Which obviously we can talk about the draft too, which I haven't talked about on the podcast yet. So, I mean, we could yeah, use this as a segue point to the draft if you want. 
Oh no. Guilt there for me. Uh, strangely, uh, you want a guy who can support a top offense, but also can kind of figure some things out defensively for them. Uh, and I think like the assortment of players that they have, Delon would actually be a decent fit for a short term. I, I don't think they can go someone from the AHL. Like I think it's time for Columbus to spend a little bit of money on a coach attract someone to come in with you'll have a pretty good young player coming in you've got a good young core there you've got Patrick Line and Johnny Gaudreau you've got Zach Rowinski you've got uh, David Juracek you might as well bring in someone to pull it all together it, it's getting close for Columbus you got to feel like it's they're they're rounding a corner it kind of feels like how Anaheim feels right now um, and they've got a similar coaching um, vacancy right now I think those have got to be the teams to bring in someone with a like with a name. And Columbus wasn't necessarily awful last year. Like Elvis was just, just, just literally the worst starting goalie in the entire NHL, basically, other than yeah. maybe Kakinen. Like, and you would assume he's bouncing back and not going to do that again. But obviously, having a defense in front of him would probably help. Like, you don't want Gabranson playing like twenty minutes a night. Yeah, yeah. Um, they lost it is interesting. Pretty early too. But yeah. yeah. Gallant's interesting because he started, I believe he started his head coaching career in Columbus as like an takeover thing. So, I mean, once again, spitting the whole like, did you read that Shana Goldman column about essentially like the NHL constantly recycling coaches and it never working out? (laughs) I didn't, but I don't need to read an article to know that that's true. (laughs) Right. Right? Like it's just, uh, it happens and some retreads are worth it. I think, there's a world where Gerard Glant is a good fit for somebody. And then there's retreads that just shouldn't be retreaded ever. Like, you know, John Hines, for example, who's just not a good coach. Um, but yeah. Draft. Uh, we could do draft stuff. Yeah. Cause the penguin stuff, like I kind of want, I don't necessarily like speculating on open positions. I'd almost rather comment on shit when they hire the new person. Oh, you know what sure, I mean? For sure. Yeah. Because, like, doing this, like, especially when we eventually get to the Leafs thing, like, obviously we're going to speculate a little bit. But for me personally, it's like I need to at least see who the GM is going to be before I even panic about what necessarily is going to happen with that team. Yeah. Season's going to get over. I get it. Yeah. But the draft, uh, obviously, once again, the NHL did the NHL thing, which is make everybody hate it. Um, I, I did a zoom with somebody um and we were both watching it together like basically saying the whole time like anyone but chicago anyone but chicago and it obviously fucking had to be chicago and then daily did the whole thing where he held the card upside down and then the pick was like columbus not moving up or whatever was spoiled on the broadcast because that got all fucked up like yeah i mean i I don't want to go on a big rant about how it's like awful that he's going to Chicago and all this shit. Like ultimately, I guess if you want to get he's that's good for the NHL as far as like making more money for the NHL that he went there. Um, That's a way more marketable. Like that's probably the best destination marketing wise he could have went to. Right. Yeah, I would say so. Of the teams available and like a massive market. um, Montreal, maybe. But that's more Canadian. But like I honestly, Tyler. Personally, any anyone going to Canada is irrelevant for me from a marketing perspective. That's fair. Right? In the, like, in the larger scheme of things, yes. In the larger, like, the only, like, we're not going down that road and we're not going to really talk. But, like, the, the fact that maybe Snoop Dogg's group is potentially leading to buy the Senators makes me very, very excited. Yeah. Um, For that potential of that. 
because they're it sounds like they're going to be giving a share of to the team to an indigenous group and i'm assuming that the you know snoop already talked about expanding the game to to people that we don't generally have in the game very often Mm -hmm. um and opening it up and making it more accessible to lower income people i think all that is really great um but we're not going to go anyways bedard uh, tyler i need the blackhawks to change their logo (laughs) yeah honestly like um, i'm over it it's just weird i don't like seeing it anymore i get it i mean i think my my stance is kind of softened on this a little bit to the point where it's like i i've seen a, a lot of indigenous influencers comment that it's actually one of the better sports logos that represent the indigenous community um i think if you were if they were going to make a change it would have to be now um because now you've got your your franchise altering you know kind of bringing a new era like if it if it doesn't happen this year it's not going to happen no unless there's new ownership obviously right yeah but i'm i'm kind of done even worrying about it anymore like it's not i think a lot of the ones that were really bad have changed um and this one is like kind of on the borderline i think depending on who you are um chicago is an organization getting bedard like yeah we we had all the all the the beach stuff like you know it's it's there they are not a very good organization in general it sounds like they, they are trying somewhat to make amends for it and at some point there's going to have to be a move forward on it, whether we like it or not. Um, and, and I think most of us would say that we don't. But you can't really hate Bedard for something that happened before he was there. I hope they surround him with talent um, pretty quickly. I hope this isn't like a McDavid situation where it takes how many years, like five, six years before we really start to see him hit um, like superhuman you know, not only personal production, but also playoff production and, and going a little deeper into the playoffs than either a first round exit or missing the playoffs playoffs every year. Um, they don't really have too much in Chicago for him right now. I think, uh, is it Kirby or Lucas Reichel? I can never remember which one it is, um, but the Reichel kid. Lucas. Is, yeah, he is, he is really good. Um, I really am high on him from what I've seen from his short stint in the NHL. He's definitely a target for me next year from a fantasy perspective, especially with Bedard kind of being there. I, I think he's going to develop into something that I'm not going to say dry esque but I think he's going to definitely be, you know, a, a top level forward for the Blackhawks long, long-term. And I mean, at this point they're, they've, they've got to figure shit out pretty quickly uh, Seth Jones' relevance has now been made uh, been made whole at least again, uh, because he likely will start putting up points again with uh, a Connor Bedard kind of leading the way. It makes so, that Seth Jones trading contract look less shitty, and that also like just bothers me so much. Yeah, I mean, like it was it was a win win in the sense that in a very short period of time it made them so fucking bad because he's so overpaid and bad, yeah. but also now he's probably going to be a pretty decent defenseman for them at least from like a, an offensive perspective he's probably putting um, up like 60 points and like 25 on the yeah, power play next year type thing like right the, and like he's not eric carlson and what eric carlson did this year was like absolutely insane but yeah. like the eric carlson arc if you will um to the point where like okay maybe he's actually not bad anymore uh, and like he like, and and i mean in multi-cat leagues he shoots and hits like crazy and that's not going to change yeah. so yeah, I mean, his plus okay. minus is probably going to be ugly, but like he's going to be fantasy relevant next year, like yeah. very much so. 
So like overall, it's it's like whatever. I mean, was it the least ideal destination for him? Yes. Um, I would have loved to see Columbus get him. I know that that's not a popular opinion, but that was one that I was really pushing for. And that's I, where I, I wanted him to go. Yeah, I actually would have liked him in Montreal too. I think that would have really reinvigorated a rivalry between the Leafs and the and the Habs. This that podcast cool. is over. No, we're done. No, we're not. <laughs> well, I mean, that was like happen, my so second they're, nightmare. They're probably getting they're probably getting Mishkov at this point. Like, if any team is going to pick. Mishkov, and that's kind of another conversation we can have is nobody knows where this guy's going to go, right? The top three is pretty locked in. Like you're going to have um, Fantilli be number two, right? He's going to go to Anaheim. And then I believe it's Columbus at number three. And Leo kind of feels to me like a perfect fit there. And then after that, it's okay. You've got to wait at least three years for this kid to come to the NHL. Very Kirill Kaprizov-esque. And you've got to find a team that's willing to just kind of kick the can down the road for three years. And Montreal kind of feels like that team. I don't think there's an expectation that they're going to, you know, the the talent disparity between Mishkov's potential and any of the other players in that range. Like, I believe Will Smith is kind of yeah. in that range, which is a hilarious name for a hockey player. And, yeah. uh, and I, I will never get um, it out of my brain for as long as I live. Um but like the talent disparity between even those two players is reportedly, you know, like vast. Like Mishkov is a really, really good goal scorer. Um, and, you know, you just got to find the right team that's going to be willing to wait for it. Right. Who's who's going to be willing to wait the three years um, and then, you know, potentially not be the GM there. So it's either going to be a really new GM or someone who is pretty tenured and isn't worried about getting um, shit canned at any point. I looking I know I think they're nine um but to me it's like I look at the draft and like Washington or Detroit potentially I think are the two that I think in the back of my head would be willing to take that risk see I don't think Detroit I I, I think Detroit needs to make something happen because they've been rebuilding for how long oh you think they're in spinning tires mode I think they're in okay we need someone who's gonna like who's gonna step in at least within the next couple of years right right because Look at all the draft. The, again, they get like Detroit has some of the worst lottery lottery luck over the last yes. ten years. Yes. Um, like they've lost. I I saw a chart. Someone posted a chart somewhere um, that I saw in one of the many hockey chats I'm in. They posted a chart of the plus or minus positions that a team has moved over the last ten years, and I think Detroit's at minus ten, meaning they've lost ten draft <laughs> spots based on their finish through the, the end of the year. I think Ottawa's like pretty gets pretty, fucked pretty good for that one too, but they just have no luck. I think they need to be drafting guys that they can add to the lineup uh, right. relatively quick. Like next year, you're probably going to see Marco Casper make their lineup. Like he was only drafted what last year, or the year before they need more of that. They need like just talent coming in. Well, they need their guy. Like they need like Raymond had, you could say a step back year. Like Zadina hasn't yeah, become shit yet. Cider had a step back here until Wallman showed up, which is just like totally like, okay, he can't necessarily be reliant. Like, look at what Darlene put up this year. You know what I mean? Like, he was yeah. borderline Norris candidate. But finally. also, look at how long it took Darlene to get there. 100%. Right. Cider was a like, we were like, holy shit, this guy came out of nowhere. I mean, defensemen do take a little bit longer to to develop usually, right? Owen Power is going to be the same way. Like, Cider was very much an outlier, and then he kind of came back to earth um, this past year. 
Well, look at a guy like Hedman. Like, what was he, 26 or 27? Till he was legitimately like one of the. Well, he was. He was. I mean, I, I had him most of his career in fantasy. He was good. The his rookie year, I believe, and then two years after his rookie year is when he really took off. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like it wasn't 26, 27. That was like more Norris consideration. You mm-hmm. can back check. Yeah, that. that's what I mean, though. Like when but, he finally showed up as like one of the best D in the league, like he was like 26, basically. Uh, like. Yeah, I mean, it, it gen- and again, we're talking about a guy who played like that. That was like 2010s. Right. So it, it's been a long time. I mean, I think you look at McCarr, Fox, Quinn Hughes, they pretty much make an impact, at least somewhat of an impact rookie year. And then year two or year three. Um, it really starts to break out. Um, but those, again, are extraordinary scenarios. So I want to kind of circle back to the Blackhawks a little bit because I think what they do going forward now, especially now that Kyle Davidson actually has to be a general manager and not like a caretaker of a garbage dweller, um, <laughs> the, they're going to have a ton of cap space. Do you think Kane circles back now? No, God, no. They're done with Kane. They can't. Okay. I don't, think um, caps, I don't think he's signing a big deal with anybody. Do you think they are now the most likely team to overpay Tyler Bertuzzi? I don't, don't, I, don't you want to bring in, like, I, I 100% am convinced now that the Blackhawks are overpaying Ryan Reeves. No, I, I mean. Yes, because they're going to want him. They're going to want that toughness on the lineup probably, for start. Probably. Here's, here's, here's what they should do is they should – basically be buying up the secondary market right the, the guys who can't get more than a two-year deal you know sign a bunch of one or two-year deals yes. like yes. guys who are half decent and then flip them at the deadline every year and just oh. and just cycle guys like that all Do, year like for the next two or three years essentially what they did with domi this year like get overpay a guy for one exactly. or two years and then flip exactly because you're and not gonna, gonna you can't guys. expect to make the playoffs next year like you got to give it no. like two or three years still Look at how good that Domi situation worked out for both parties, right? Like he yeah. built some of his value. Now he's like killing it in the playoffs from Dallas, and he's in the conference. And he's probably going to finally get paid this offseason because the probably, UFA yeah. market is fucking terrible. And if people were smart, and I think this happened with McDavid for a few years in his career, if people were smart, a winger would say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to sign with Chicago for a year, play with Connor Bedard, boost yep. my stats up, and yep. then go get the bag." Right? Hundred percent. Bertuzzi to me, I was actually thinking about Bertuzzi earlier because I, I, you're probably gonna hate this, but I think he'd be a really good target for the Leafs. Frankly. I would, I'm no, I'm fine with that, hundred yeah, percent fine with he's that. that. He's the arch- He's as as much as you might like or hate him, he is a Kachuk light archetype, right? He's got some skill. 100%. He plays hard. He hits. He gets he gets under the skin of another team. I think the Leafs could really benefit from a guy like that. I just think that he's hitting the market at a perfect time because it's the we need a guy like Kachuk off season for a lot of teams, and they're going to see him and say this guy's kind of like him, and we've got a pretty good center that he can play with. And you know, even if we overpay him a little bit, he's going to do other intangible things that kind of lift all boats, um, and maybe he puts up career highs. Like that's he, he's hitting free agency at a very good time. Uh, in in my eyes, so and I don't think he's going back to Boston. I think he's going to be a true free agent. No, Boston can't afford him. Like regardless yeah. of what, I mean, I guess if Krejci and Bergeron both walk, but if they do, who cares? Like, why do you bring in Bertuzzi? You need centers desperately at you that point, centers, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, there are none of those available. So good, good luck with that. Like Eric Howla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I actually oh, looked at the I looked at the UFA class, Tyler, and I scrolled through almost all of it, and I was like, I don't know if there's one single guy on this entire list that I would necessarily even want to like of the guys the Leafs potentially could sign, like that they may actually have the room for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's gonna be some guys getting. Remember that? Oh, and you said about guys signing uh, with Edmonton just to get the McDavid flip. Remember how many guys made millions of dollars off John Tavares? Yeah, yeah. Parento, Molson. Parento, Molson, Ocposo. Yeah. Like years yeah. of them just sticking whoever on his wing and him making them a 30 goal scorer. Like, yeah. I wish I had that Tavares right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think everybody does. Uh, okay, so the only other big piece of news that I want to touch on before we get into the playoffs stuff is, so obviously we found out today, I think, or maybe late yesterday, that the Coyotes are officially probably going to have to move. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, or where you would uh, even want them to go of the potential? Well, where I want them to go and where they should, where they're going to go are probably two different things. I know, so, so I've seen reports about Salt Lake City and Utah. Um, I just don't, I don't get that, frankly. Um, I actually had a conversation in the office with a buddy about it today. And he was saying there's a large percent, like the large, a, a shockingly large percentage of their population is Mormon, meaning they don't drink, meaning that that's a huge amount of revenue from an in arena perspective that you lose out on in moving a team there. And that just, I mean, it's something small, but something worth considering, I think, when you think about market. Houston is another one, and I think Houston's such an NHL decision in the sense that it's like this this, this city has the you know third highest population in the U.S. To me, I don't give a fuck. Do they like if they have a high population? Are those is that high population interested in hockey? Are they interested in sports? Because I when I think of Houston, Texas, I don't think of a sporting hotbed. They have the Rockets who are a bumblefuck of a franchise in the, in, in the NBA who have done fucking nothing of relevance over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years other than get James Harden and then trade him immediately. And you have the Houston Texans who are literally the biggest joke of an NFL, NFL franchise uh, in pro football. Like, I just, I don't get why Houston is such a slam dunk. I get you can like pull a Vegas and even a, a Seattle, but has Dallas really worked out that well? in the last 20 years to where we're saying like Texas is a hotbed of hockey. They need another team. And I get Houston is three hours away from Texas. Texas is a very big state in the comparison to the others, but I, I just really don't get the, the love affair there. There's a few other cities that you could probably name, uh, you know, Portland, uh, what's the, uh, Kansas city would be another one, you know, all these U S markets, Atlanta. No, it should, we're not going back to Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, sure. Um, Quebec City is being brought up uh, a lot. I think for the same reasons as to why they left is a reason why they cannot return. I don't think there's enough big business in, in eight eight hundred thousand people in the metro area. That's not even remotely close to enough people. Well, like I'm Winnipeg's really barely, Winnipeg is barely hanging on as a franchise, and you want to yeah. put one in Quebec? Fucking. If anything, Toronto should get two more teams before Quebec gets one. And I have, I have opinions on that as well. Um, but with Quebec City, I just you, like so much of a of a NHL team's success is reliant on the business sector of the city that they move into. 
or the state that they move into because all of those corporate sponsorships are what keeps the team afloat other than ticket sales. So as much as you need to balance the population of the, the, the state or the province or the city around the NHL team, I think you also need to consider corporate sponsorships and selling boxes and selling seats in that sense as well too. And I just, Quebec's, Quebec is such, and I, I work in advertising. I, I feel like I'm pretty well-spoken on this. Quebec is such a unique market from a marketing perspective that I'm not worried about them selling out a, you know, 16 to 20,000 seat arena. I'm worried about the business side of things with them in the sense that there's not a lot of big business in Quebec and whatever ones are, are already affiliated with the Montreal Canadiens. And you're not going to want to double dip on hockey sponsorships. And Quebec City is so far away and so different than the GTA that even second tier lease sponsorships in a in the corporate hotbed that Toronto is wouldn't want to invest in a team in Quebec City for the same reasons why they don't do it for Montreal because it's Quebec, right? It doesn't it doesn't bring you that same brand awareness and brand affiliation that um, it would in working with the leaks. Um, there will not be another team in the GTA that makes no sense. Um, I, I, the more I think about it, the more it doesn't make sense to me. You cannibalize a lot, um, of, of leaps presence, but also, again, it's not a situation about selling seats. I think it just kind of fucks the whole market up. Um, and you think that the leaf stadium is already dead. Now you'd bring two dead stadiums in, in one area, the one kind of, and I know I've been talking a lot here and I want to hear your thoughts on it too, but, uh, the one kind of cool idea I had was getting someone to back the London Knights going from an OHL franchise to an NHL franchise. And the reason I like that, and I know you're laughing, the reason I like that is because they have a big stadium right now. And Dude, it's, it's like, like it's like fucking 9,000 people. It is like, not. Give me a fucking break. It is not. It is not 9,000. It's a 13 to 14,000 seat stadium. It's a bit. It's the one of the biggest OHL stadiums that there is. Other than I know it is. I've NHL. I've seen many games in there, but there's no way you're fitting 13k in there. The the only reason I like it, and again, I told you it was a little it was a little uh, hot takey. The only reason I like it is because you get to essentially take all of southwestern Ontario away from the Leafs and kind of translate that into people who would definitely buy tickets in that market. Basically anybody from the golden triangle and East, no West would, um, would kind of flock to that stadium. It's a weird idea. I know. And it, it maybe it's just the Ontario bias in me. Um, but I, I really don't see any solid way places that Arizona can go. That like it's not like Seattle, it's not like Vegas. Like there's really not a lot of places left to go. So it sounds like there are two options here. One is they're going to try to move as quick as possible to a local market, so either Houston or Salt Lake City, or two, they're just going to go back to Mullet Arena for one more year and try to find an actual buyer because it sounds like the current owners have no interest in owning the team if they're not in Arizona. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think the options are they're going to try for something quick. And I mean by quick within like the next like two or three weeks, because you're going to have to start figuring out schedules, travel, all that shit. Like you can't just do that in like two or three weeks. You're going to need a whole summer to figure out the logistics of it alone. Yeah. Um. So I think the most likely thing is that they're playing in Arizona for one more season at Mullet Arena. That's what I think is going to happen because the NHL is not fast on fucking anything. And there's yeah. no way they had this like get, 
I would be like, if anything, if you were a smart fucking commissioner of a, you would, you would have a back pocket and you would immediately be like, okay, we're shifting. Boom. I got my plan B. I knew this was coming, but I feel like yeah. that's not what happened there. I feel like but you're like scrambling the right now. The Calgary situation was similar. Yeah. Right? Where they threatened to, you know, oh, we might leave if we don't get an arena. And I think you, they do that a lot to get arenas and it doesn't, it's not very often where the actual state goes. Yeah, no, fuck you. See ya. But, like, I read the, I read a few articles on The Athletic today about, like, the whole Arizona situation. And it was, like, all private money and all this. And it sounded like it came down to the fact they didn't want to give the owner, like, essentially an income tax break or something. And I was like, really? Like, it was fully privately funded and you said no? Like, that never fucking happens. Like, I was very, like... As somebody who generally is not on the side of like billionaires and shit like that, like I was very confused. Like usually I would see a deal like that and be like, oh yeah, that sounds fucked. So I'm really interested to see where, like why they just eventually were like, nah, we're good fam. Like that team yeah. hasn't been there for like five years. Like they've been in Arizona for like 30 years, right? Borderline. I don't think the state cares. I don't think they see the value in having an NHL franchise. And I mean, I, I, I absolutely get that. But like when the Ottawa senators potentially are going to sell for a billion dollars, like that's, that's, that's crazy. That, that's, that's a, that's a, that's an evaluation though. It's not a, or sorry, it's a valuation. It's not a, that doesn't, that billion dollars doesn't go anywhere to the city of Ottawa. That's just, no, no. But I mean, like for me personally, as an NHL fan who thinks the league constantly shoots itself in the foot and in the face and then drowns itself in water and then says it's okay. Like the fact that the Ottawa senators, the Ottawa senators, Tyler, the Ottawa senators who probably in any other league would not be a team. You know what I mean? Like in it, it the NBA does not like, what's the NBA's Ottawa senators like New Orleans. Um, like, I know no, you don't know about, or like, okay, so let's do football. Like what's the football's Ottawa centers? Like OKC would be, uh, right. Would be, uh, the, the, uh, what's a small market in the, you NFL? want a small market that also isn't committed to the team fully, right? Like probably Ottawa's generally not spending to the cap. Probably the green Bay Packers. And I know that's weird to say because it's like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but they win fucking championships, bro. They have won championships, but it's a very small market and they, the owner doesn't spend money anymore. True, like and I guess they have, of, like, that whole, like, um, you own the team yourself type thing. Like, the, it's yeah. like a co-op style thing almost. But they're in no danger of getting relocated. I think the Oakland Raiders would have been that team. And right. they just got relocated to Vegas. Or, but, like, isn't isn't Green Bay, like, one of the yeah. oldest franchises in all of the NFL? With Oakland, the Raiders? No, no, the Packers. Oh, yeah, they are. Like, aren't they, like, oh, like one of those, like, you yeah, know, 70-year-old teams or whatever? Yeah. But what I'm saying is they're they're relatively they're a relatively small market comparative to other NFL teams and they don't spend money. They're not in danger of relocation. That's not what I was saying. No. So okay. The, so if the you difference between the NFL and the NHL is that when an NFL franchise needs to be relocated, they do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or they do it overnight if you remember right? that. Right. Like or the, the cold situation. Yeah. <laughs> right. St. Louis yeah. Rams buy, Oakland yeah. Raiders buy. Yeah, that's right? true. Fuck, the Athletics just got moved. The Oakland Athletics just got announced that they're moving to Vegas too. Essentially, like Oakland has no team, no teams anymore. That's so sad. I mean, is it like you got to support the teams that you're around? No, right? I, 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 like they also haven't had teams worth of support. You know what I mean? Like 
the, yeah. the A's were in such a weird place where it was Small like be good enough to be relevant, but not good enough to win. And it's like, how do you support a team like that? Like very mid teams are so they're the most frustrating teams to support are mid teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have no hope of ever winning, but we're never going to lose enough to win. If that makes yep. sense. I get it. Like where Winnipeg is basically stuck right now. It's like, we have to sell tickets. So we have to be relevant and we yeah. have to be like good, but we're never going to be good enough to be great. You know what I mean? It's like they had that one year where they made the con final and everything worked out for them and they couldn't fucking get over the hump. And that was probably their one shot. And now they're going to blow it up. But yeah. Okay. So I guess we should actually talk about the playoffs on this podcast. Is that we're like 40 minutes in and haven't even talked about the playoffs. (laughs) And I have other like random, like this is what happens when we're not a regular podcast weekly together is we, I love talking hockey with you and I have so much shit I want to get into, but I'm like, no, we got to do that. Okay. So we'll start in the West and work it. We'll do least last obviously, cause that's going to be a whole fucking combo in its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some trade proposals for you that I know one oh. you're going to hate since we already talked. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll start with, uh, the stars over the Kraken in seven games. Uh, do you, uh, okay. So first of all, like, where were you on the second round? Like, did you watch a lot? Was there a series you focused on? Was it like, I had no time for it or did the schedule of like important games being at stupid times really fuck you? I, I hockeyed myself out big time in round one. Cause it's the yeah, best yeah. round in my opinion. Round percent two wasn't like a lot of games or blowouts. So when I did watch games, I found myself turning them off because they got yeah. out of hand really fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of the the Leafs and the Panthers. I think that's pretty obvious. I watched a bit of Carolina um, and their series versus New Jersey just because I like so many players on New Jersey. Um, I watched a bit of Dallas and Seattle, but I I can't tell you to the extent that I don't like Seattle at this point. Like, they're very close to being um, Calgary Flames, Minnesota Wild territory for me at this (laughs) point. Like, I'm just so done. I'm just so done with them. Like, I just don't care. They're so fucking boring. Um, I just, I just don't appreciate them at all. Um, and I'm glad they lost in seven games. I'm glad they lost. And them being in the, in the conference finals would have just probably killed the rest of the playoffs for me. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that Dallas made it. They're my new cup pick and who I'm cheering for the most. Um, I, I just, the more I watch them play and the more I see how they've changed, over the last couple of years, since the last time they made the cup final in the bubble, they've, they've really like, they feel a lot different, which I appreciate. Um, so that series was, uh, was a good one. And I watched, I can't even remember what the other series is that I'm missing. Ve- Vegas Edmonton. I watched literally none of that. <laughs> like, like literally like two, two of the best players. This is why this league is so fucked. Like two of the best players in the NHL. Plus, like, a great storyline with Eichel being on the other side and all that shit, like, in Vegas itself. And you completely yeah. didn't even think about it. Like, how fucked is that? I, it's not, like, I mean, I followed it. I know it, they're, they're on, like, their fifth fucking Yeah, but it league. wasn't, like, top of mind for you. Like, that's so yeah. crazy that, like, literally the best, some of the best players in the entire sport and they're not top. And I'm not saying that as, like, to, to bash you or anything, but, like, as no, the sport it. in general, you know what I mean? Like. It's those late games, man. It's those late games get you. It's uh, like I can't stay up till one in the morning on a weeknight. 
you know what I mean? In the East, and that's just Eastern Conference bias. Con- Connor McDavid got eliminated. Like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl got eliminated from the playoffs on a Sunday night at like fucking midnight on the East Coast. Like yeah. that's so irrelevant. Like so, and the fact that the Leafs did not get a Saturday night game in that Panthers series is fucked, Tyler. That's well, so that's, fucked that's, up. That's the arena's fault, but yeah. But that's so like that is so, like I I would have if if they were like oh we don't have enough time to like switch over to the ice or get the shit like how much time do you need do you need an eight o'clock start okay fine that's okay we'll do an eight o'clock start like I'm fine with the Leafs game starting at eight o'clock on a Saturday night but like to not have Saturday like once again like like you said the first round is always so good and I swear to God every every year the second round is just a complete boring gong show of like five and four round series and like blowouts left and right because like I feel like there's so many times where teams break through in the first to get into the second and then they're just not ready or whatever like I'm sure that's almost in the Leafs case but like the only good series really was the stars cracking to be honest and you didn't even like that one so no like I didn't like one of the teams in it no that's for sure and like I'd Vegas like, and Vegas and Edmonton was basically like blowout 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 for either yeah. side which was crazy um do you have thoughts on the Petrangelo slash that I feel like should have shouldn't have been suspended based on everything else that was happening I feel like it should have been suspended but the other the other Kane thing probably should have been suspended too. Like I think just one thing. Like yeah, I I don't really get what's going on there. The slash was dirty as fucking. That was dirty as hell. That was really bad. It was probably one of the most egregious slashes we've seen in a long time. I would say. Definitely one of like a thing that you see and you're like I don't want that in hockey. But I saw so many things in the playoffs this year that I was like I don't. Like going even back to that Truba on Meyer hit, you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. I don't, I don't need that anymore. Like I don't. And okay, where are you on Timo Meyer? Like nothing in the playoffs, essentially, like nothing. And now he's an RFA, and they gave up all that money. Like and now, essentially, New Jersey probably has to decide between Jesper Bratt or Timo Meyer. And do you not have to go Timo Meyer there? Probably. I, right? I mean, it's a really small sample size, and it's a guy that you traded for halfway through the year who hasn't had a full like he's only ever played in San Jose. True. Right? So, yeah, hundred percent, and that's why those trades are tough. Fairly often, and this is why you don't sign a guy to an eight-year deal uh, at max, you know, at, at a ten million dollar cap hit because he's good without seeing him play a game. Because now they might get him on a discount, right? If they did want to sign him, and if they don't want to sign him, they could trade him somewhere else that that will. You yeah. know, either make that mistake or make that signing. Um, I don't. I don't recall Jesper Bratt really doing too much in the playoffs either. To be honest, uh, it really was just the Jack Hughes show, and it was sprinkled in with some Eric Howla and some uh, Michael McLeod. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, but yeah, I mean, I think for New Jersey, it's just you got to just trust the process and continue to move forward. Like they, this was a surprise of a season. Um, I really am concerned that Vanacek just kind of fell apart um, mm-hmm. this season. I don't trust this Schmidt kid long-term um, for a guy who is not really, um, you know, the most lauded after prospect in the, in the world, right? Guys playing ECHL, USHL not too long ago. I, that's not to say that he can't develop into something good, but I wouldn't hang my hat on it. I, I, they, to me, they still haven't really figured out their goaltending um in in any sense and 
I mean, Luke Hughes looked really good. Like it's, it's hard not to feel somewhat positive about them going into next year. Um, hopefully they can make the cap situation work for them. Um, it would be nice to kind of get rid of guys like Thomas Tatar, uh, who are, who are kind of just like taking up spots at this point, I think. Um, but I mean, depending on the deal, like, I don't th- think they, I don't think there's many deals that they could sign Timo Meyer for that. I would not like, unless it's a really egregious overpay. What about eight by 10? That seems like a little much for a, for a winger to me. Isn't that what he's going to want though? I was hoping more like eight by nine. I, nine I, I personally a hundred percent believe that if he goes onto the open and markets, like which he can't, like he's an RFA, like they obviously have to sign him or trade him. But I think seven by 10 or eight by 10 is completely in the range of him. Man, that's crazy because remember when Panarin hit the open market and he got what eight by 11 or seven by 11. Yeah. And that's Artemi Panarin. Yeah. Like an abs- like an absolute stud, like for sure top liner who's done Ar- it on his own. Ar- like arguably one of the best left wings in the entire NHL when he's on his game. And we're saying that this kid's gonna make ten a million dollars less. And it yeah, but, wasn't that long ago that contract was signed. Like it but, I just don't think uh, he's a really good player. I don't know that he's like Mitch Marner level. But here, here's the thing. Like, this is the last, this is more than likely going to be the last year of escrow and last year of a flat cap. And it sounds like, based on what the players did with not getting, you know, doing the rollback or whatever, next year the cap could go up like four to five million potentially. And then it's going to keep going up. Yeah, it's going to look a little better, but I still think. Yeah, but that also means that anybody signing a long-term deal is thinking about, like, they're trying to yeah. get based on that cap, not this cap. Or they're going to shine short-term. That's why 8 by 10 for Meyer is sounds crazy right now, but I think that's completely in the rate. Like, I'm hearing fucking, like, 8 by 9 for Willie, and I think that's crazy. Yeah, like, that's- he's an 8 by 8 all day, and I'm doing that contract every fucking moment right now with the cap going up. But 8 by 9 is insane. Like, come on. That's a million dollars, right? In the long term of things. Yeah, it's a million it's dollars average. per really season, though. Yeah, it really isn't, but it is. It's eight What's million, a, really. That's like a fourth liner. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I, I'm really torn. I don't know if they had to, to tell me you have to choose between Jesper Brad and and uh, and Timo Meyer. That's that's tough. That's a tough decision. That's a tough decision because obviously Brad has that huge, incredible chemistry with Hughes, but at the end of the day, he's an assist-heavy, undersized winger, right? I'd maybe even just try and get rid of Dougie Hamilton and keep both. Well, yeah, that might be. I mean, <laughs> okay, you let's know? let's. It's already getting like we're almost at an hour already. Let's just dive in. Like, where? Okay, give me give me your Leafs take. Just give it to me. What's your Leafs take? <laughs> I mean, what hasn't what what hasn't been said, right? Like it's really disappointing. I think I think it's time to get a new coach. Personally, uh, Dubas to me, he, leaving or coming is is irrelevant. Like if he leaves, he leaves. If he if he stays, he stays. Um, you just gotta. It's it all depends on who the replacement would be. So until I know that, I can't really speculate on you know whether or not they're fucked or not. I think you you gotta get a, a new coach. You gotta get someone more tactically sound. 
someone who can, it sounds like, and I mean, a lot of people are assuming and speculating that there's a culture problem and Keith doesn't have as much control as we think he does and blah, blah, blah. I, I think just tactically there needs to be a change. Um, just not, not smart decisions from a lineup perspective in my eyes. Like, I don't get how you can't, like, I don't get how you watch Willie Nylander play that that's this whole playoffs and not have him first power play and not have him with Austin Matthews, a guy who you desperately need to get going and someone who, you know, Willie made a lot of space for himself, like with those zone entries. And I think putting him with, a, you know, with a player who needs space made for him is important. <coughs> um, something stinks with that defense. Um, in in my eyes, uh, T.J. Brody looks like he can't ha- he couldn't handle the spotlight uh, of the role that they had him in. I did I loved Jake McCabe's play in the first round. Um, I think there's no regret for me at least in in that deal being made and the the amount that they have him for the next couple of years. I think even as a bottom pairing guy, like you put him staple him with Lilligren or something, and I think that's a pretty good pairing. Like he's um, essentially replacing yeah. Justin Hull, right? Like his cap hits like yeah. two million. Like that's fine. Yeah, and you, you're obviously getting rid of Hull. I think that's uh, that's that's you know, and obvious. If he if he comes back again, we're looking at Mark Marincin levels of of you know stupidness. There's no um, way. Yeah, I know. Mark Di- Mark Giordano's on a really good deal, and I get that. And there was some value there, but damn, should he have been scratched? in that series hundred percent multiple times or benched outright like that's where that's to me where you need to that's where you got to bring in a veteran coach like you need a guy that's not afraid to like do the things that feel uncomfortable you know what i mean like how many different partners did he have and just a black hole defensively with no matter who you put it with lilligan paul gustafson everybody they put him with was horrible i think gustafson would have been a better like switch out yeah, or even even fucking Connor Timmins. You know what I mean? Like they still have Connor Timmins back yeah. there. So, I think there's a lot defensively that's a problem. I do, I mean, Luke Shen complete renaissance. Well, not even a renaissance because I think this is probably the best he's ever been in his entire career. So, what are you renaissancing to when you're literally Oof. showing value for the first time in your entire career? Um, I would not recommend relying on that to be a continuous long-term thing with him. I would bring him back if you can as a seventh D man, um, a guy that comes in in you know tough games or throughout the year or when an injury happens, he should be the Justin Hole like kind of guy. I, I would have no problem with that. Leafs need to find a, a top pairing D man in a in in a really really bad way. Yeah. Um, Morgan Riley was fantastic, but like clearly doing it all on his own. Everybody else was getting absolutely filled in anytime they were on the ice. Uh, they need someone either who can anchor another pair or ideally play with Morgan Riley. Right. If, if, and this is the thing, like, I don't think the Leafs have ever really given him a solid partner. Like they, they played him with Brody a bit when he, when Brody first got in, in to the Leafs or on the team, you should say, but like, how are we not trying to like create a really strong pairing to play those big minutes with your best players? It always feels like they're separating things, and it, it feels like d- dilution almost across that blue line. Like, you know, even when Brody was good this year at times, like, should he have not just been stapled to Riley, and then you've got one really, really good pair, and then you just kind of not play the third pairing. 
right? Just play them less. Not everybody needs to play equal minutes, right? Um, and it feels like he he was rolling defensive pairings like you would roll uh, a forward lineup. So, I, I mean, there's going to be changes. I there was a lot of things I liked, like O'Reilly looked all right. He looked he's slow, but like he looked okay. Achari looked really good. If they could bring him back, I would recommend it, but I doubt it. Um, Sam Lafferty actually really impressed me. Uh, I'm sure that's not a surprise, like given the fact he scored some big goals, but like he actually looked pretty good. Um, He's signed for next year, so. Which is good, right? Fourth line guy, not going to really impact anything. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'm really tired of hearing about the core four. It's like the Muskoka Muskoka Five five, all over again. I'm just tired of hearing about it. Um, And, like, would I run it back? Uh, I think it would depend what you could do with the rest of the the lineup in that salary cap situation. I think your goaltending is pretty much figured out. Get rid of Murray, go Samson up, and Wall. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's the situation. And I think that opens up a lot from you, sal- like opens up a lot for you, salary cap wise, right? I don't know how much they have going into the off season, but you know, clearly, something's going to need to happen. They okay, so going into the off season, like to me personally, if they, there's no way you can trade. You're not going to get any value for Tavares, and if you trade him, you're going to have to eat money. So that's an irrelevant trade. You can, you're not doing that. He's only got two years left. Like that would be silly. If Matthews wants to resign, it sounds like he does, and he would prefer to get it done as soon as possible. So perfect. He's coming back for, I'm assuming, another four or five years. Nylander is literally the only one of the quote-unquote core four that actually shows up in the playoffs. So I don't know how the fuck you decide to trade him, which leaves Marner, and there's no way you're ever trading Marner and getting fair value in any way back. So you got to move... Like, you change the coach, and then you use some of the extra money. Like, Kerfoot's gone, Hole's gone, Bunting's probably not coming back. I don't think they'll be able to afford Achari. I don't think O'Reilly's going to come back. Like, they're going to have a lot of spots to work with and actually have some cap space. I, I think Murray's gone for sure, whether they move him and eat a, you know, eat a draft pick to get the full way out, or they end up buying him out, which I don't think is smart. Uh, Wolf Samson up coming back. They're going to have some cap space to work with. They got some guy. They still have first. Like, they have picks to work with. Yeah. I mean, bringing a better coach or an, uh, maybe Laviolette to me is, like, number one on my board if you're going to go in that direction. Uh, Dubis basically said he's either going to be GM for the Leafs or he's taking time off, which, I mean, I'm happy with. I don't with. care what he does if he's not the – like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't give a Yeah, fuck yeah. But personally, for me, I can't see you trading anyone of like Matthews. You don't want to trade and Nylander or Marner. There's no way you're trading either of those guys and getting decent value. So I I really don't want one of them to get traded. But to me, if Dubas doesn't resign, then literally anything is on the board. I mean, if you get an offer of, you know, OK, so these are the I was looking at you sent me a big list of like, here are some offers or some teams that could potentially trade for, let's say, Marner. And, like, the only one that I was necessarily maybe interested in was getting Keandre Miller from the Rangers plus um, because I think that would be – but the problem with the – is in the playoffs, the problem with the team isn't – hasn't been defense necessarily. It's been not scoring at key times. And, like, that speaks to me. You need another top six forward that plays in a different way 
than the current top six group plays, whether you augment it or you switch it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're for looking sure. for essentially your Kachuk. Like, and that's where, like you said, Bertuzzi would probably come in. But, like, you could probably yep. get Bertuzzi without having to trade anyone, right? Yep. So if you can bring Bertuzzi in and he's replacing Bunting and then some of the Kerfoot money and now you're giving the Morgan Riley raise. Now, Matthews, like, you have Marner for two more years, you have Tavares for two more years, and you have Matthews and Nylander for one more year each. But you're probably extending Matthews this summer if you're doing it. And then Nylander, you just walk him to UFA and then see where you are at that point. Like, to me, he's the one guy, if you walk him to UFA and he gets away and you don't get any value for him, that's still fine. Like, you've had him his whole freaking career and you had him for probably his peak season. So, like, whatever. But he's got to be on power play one next year. Like, that was dumb. Yeah. Like, that was the other. My- they, they talked about it on 32 Thoughts specifically. Like, when you're putting O'Reilly, Tavares, and Matthews on your first power play unit... That means when your power play is done, you're putting Nylander out there with garbage and being yeah, like, fun. hey, figure yeah. it out. You're putting him out there with camp and like a Chari or something like that. And he's like, he's yeah. not doing anything on that line. So by putting a ride, like all your good centers on one power play unit, when that power play is over, like you're sending out garbage after, which is shitty in the playoffs. You can't do that. Yeah. My, um, my kind of thoughts on this and the reason why I sent you that list was... Uh, specifically to Marner or Nylander, but I think Marner probably has more value just in the way that he plays is, would you rather have Mitch Marner who plays, you know, a certain amount of minutes tonight and he does, he does a specific amount of things, or would you rather have potentially three different players because you'd likely get two back and then be able to sign another one or do something else elsewhere with either of those picks, just based on solely the amount of salary cap that you'd save for moving him out three players that either are a mixture of top four defensemen or top six forwards, right. Who do different things and add a different look to your, um, to your lineup. The, the thing with Matthews is that borderline other than the times when they're desperate and they put Nylander and Marner on his line at the same time, he's never really played with two other good players at the same time. Right. For a period of time, it was Hyman uh, for a period of time, it was Bunting and Marner, you know, Hyman and and B- Marner, or one of those two guys and Nylander. Um, you could, you could, there is a world where you could do, you know, Nylander and Bertuzzi, or Tavares and and Bertuzzi, and then also have a second line that has another really good player, whether it's a center or a or a uh, a winger, and a, a top four defend defender to help boost that. Like, to me, it's it's not that you're taking a loss on value. It's that you're spreading the value out to other positions that don't exist right now, right? Like, you're, it's addition by subtraction in the sense that you're clearing a little bit of space. You're, let's say it is a guy like, let's say it's Marner for Keandre Miller and Philip Heedle. And I know how you feel about that deal, and it's not a good one. And honestly, I don't like it either because I don't believe in Philip Heedle. But you're able to take the money saved from dealing Marner for that and then reinvest somewhere else by dealing other assets in that area. Like that's, it, it's just like, it's an asset management game and I don't necessarily think it's a loss. And it's kind of what Florida did when they got Kachuk, except it's going to be a little bit more complex than that. Right. They had two, they traded a number one left wing and another, a number two D man for a number one right wing who just happened to be a hard trophy candidate. 
and Calgary said, okay, we're going to lose this one really good guy and try and build in two different areas at the same time because that's what our team needs right now. And I kind of view Toronto in the same light as Calgary right now. They need, they need help. They need top-end help in a few different areas. And moving a guy like Marner helps you get that value back and then allows you to do more off of that deal that improves your team. So I have obviously been furiously looking at any potential. So essentially, I think what the Leafs desperately need, assuming you're bringing back three of those four players, is a 2C and a top D, right? Like that's yeah. probably their most relevant. So I've been like scouring potential. Uh, I was wondering, how would you feel about this move? So Marner for Bowen Byram, Alex Newhook, and Arturi Lekkinen. I don't think that I don't think that Alex Newhook is good enough to be what the Leafs need him to be right away. Bowen Byram probably is the right type of player that you'd want to go after, but Colorado doesn't have the center help that you would need. Lekkinen's fun, and he definitely is a playoff-tested guy who, you know, I. I do believe in that side of things. I just don't know if that forward, like the forward level that you're getting back is enough. And you would have to do some, uh, you'd have to do a lot of work elsewhere to like make up for that fact. Like, I think net net, you're probably losing that deal still. Like, I don't think either Lekkanen or Newhook combined is what some of those other players that I sent over are. Um, if that makes sense. But Byram is definitely interesting. Um, a Byram for Nylander type deal. Well, it doesn't have to be one for one, but something like that I could see happening for sure. Do you think, okay, so do you think if Leafs are trading one of, like, essentially it's going to be Nylander or Marner, right? Like, there's I, no. I don't think you could trade. I, I would love, here, I'm starting, okay. I said today to my buddy at work, I think the market's going to turn on Matthews within the next couple of years if things don't turn around, just based on the way that he plays. He, to me, the more I watch him, and again, I feel like a 200 hockey man saying this, he feels like a JVR center. That's He feels like what JVR was when he played for the Leafs, to me. He's a big fucking guy who just doesn't play big, if that makes sense. And I, I, I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way to play center, um, and what the fuck do I know anyways? But I, I don't think there's a scenario where you can trade Austin Matthews as a center and then also expect to get a center back. That, to me, just doesn't that doesn't compute. And you get rid of, like, we're already saying the Leafs need a lot of center help. Getting rid of one of the one good centers that you have, you know, statistically, like you're moving in the wrong direction in my eyes. So it has to be one of the wingers because it can't be Tavares either for obvious reasons. <clears throat> which leaves you with like a Marner Nylander scenario, yeah, which is almost exactly. like a no win. Like you're not probably winning trading either of those guys. You're probably not winning either of those trades. It's not is, about winning the trade. It's about winning in the long term. I guess that's, but... that's how I would look at it. Cause again, if you just look at like, trade x for y like yeah that's that's like nhl 23 ea sports shit right like you got to look at what it does for the entirety of the makeup of your team right it's 
a, a hockey team is like an ecosystem. You've got to add and, and remove things um, that make sense. And it's not always a one-for-one subtraction and addition. So I guess in reality, Marner has a no movement clause that kicks in on July 1st. So if they yes, were ever acting. Yeah, if they were ever actually going to move him, it's going to happen quickly. Given the fact that the Leafs kind of don't have a GM right now in some ways, obviously the Dubas situation has to be figured out before um, they're going to be trading Marner. So I, to me, with the Leafs, I have to wait and see what happens with Dubas before I even worry about what's happening next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you trade Mitch Marner for the number two overall pick? Yeah, but there's not like... What are you gonna get Fantilli out of it? Like that doesn't yeah. seem good. No. I don't yeah, think just, that's that, that, that doesn't at today. all help the Leafs. I know. That, I had that asked to me today, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. And like we didn't even talk about Matthew Nyes, who obviously had a really good playoffs until he was rock bottom by Sam Bennett for no penalty or uh, suspension. Uh, uh, like yeah. if he comes back next year and looks just as good as he did in the playoffs, like that right there probably gives them a top six forward, which they don't necessarily yes. have right now. Yeah, I think you've got another Nylander-level player there, personally. So that could help, too, because he's obviously going to be a good player on an ELC, which is borderline something the Leafs haven't had since Matthews was on his ELC. Exactly, and something that you need to do when you're cup contending. 100%. All right, um, I think we will wrap it up there, Tyler. I appreciate you giving me some time on your drive home from the big smoke. Is that what they still call Toronto sometimes? I don't know. Okay, well... Thank I would you. Say no. Okay, so thank you for joining us this week, and I will talk to everyone whenever the conference finals are over. Bye.